And this time it gives me uh, great pleasure to introduce uh, the speaker for today. So several, uh, or not several years ago, it feels like we've been, we've known each other for a long time, but it's really only been a, a short amount of time. But I was able to do a tent revival some years ago, and it was right around the pandemic. I remember having a mask and under a tent and just the power of God just flowing and just me uh, working with the will of God. And there was an a interpreter. And so I believe uh, it was a Spanish interpreter. So I was just flowing and allowing God to use. And then uh, him and I connected and he was really intentional about, uh, intentional about staying connected with me. And then uh, I even had him do some yard work for me. But we just developed a relationship. And I just love his heart and his spirit um, on social media. He's called Prison to Pastor. So you may ask yourself, how does someone go from prison to pastor? Well, you may be, maybe he'll tell you. I don't know if God's going to lead him in that direction. But it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And, uh, and what, what touches me, even though uh, he didn't really get a chance to meet my father, but you guys know my father and his heart for prison ministry and his heart for people reaching men and seeing their lives touched and turned. And the fact that we are allowing him to speak here today, not only is a blessing to us and me, it's also a, it furthers the legacy of my father, our bishop, who had a heart for men changing and being touched by the power of God. So I'm not going to say much more. Uh, would you put up the name? I, I tried to be a little more former. I just call him Brother Matt. He calls me Brother Andre. But we formally will call him Pastor Matt. But Pastor Matthew Allen is his name. And he's got his lovely wife and some friends with him. So I'm going to bring Pastor Matt. So would we all just stand and would we welcome Pastor Matt to Deliverance Temple? And would you just point your finger at him and just repeat after me? We may not know you, but we already love you. God bless you, Pastor Matt. Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? God is good, amen? Well, my name's uh, Brother Matt. Some people do know me as prison the pastor, but everybody knows that I'm in love with Jesus, 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 homie. Nothing more, nothing less, homie. It's all about God. So I did meet Pastor Andre about, I'd say, a couple years ago at a tent revival in Union City. And, uh, you know, when I met him and I heard his preaching, man, I definitely knew that he was anointed, for sure. The message was fire, and people really touched by it, including myself. And I believe being intentional is key. And as a believer, man, we got to be intentional. So many people aren't intentional no more. We just worry about our own little circle and our own little bubbles, you know. You know, I didn't grow up in church. Um, you know, I grew up in the streets. I was going to share my story of redemption because I think it's important. But before I go into my story of redemption, I just want to encourage you. A lot of times people hear my testimony and they're like, dang, well, I was never on drugs. Or I was never a gang member. I've never been locked up. But here's the deal. My struggles for me are just as real for me as your struggles are for you, whatever that looks like. And the truth of it is, is that we all have the same Savior. We're all in need of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we all battle the same person, which is the devil. Amen. So with that said, you know, for myself, you know, I grew up right from birth. I went to foster care. My mom was a fiend. My dad was in prison. So I became a product of the state at birth. Somewhere when I was around seven or eight years old, 
my mom sold my location to my grandma, my dad's mom. So my grandma tried to come and rescue me, so to speak. And, you know, by that point, by the age of seven or eight, you know, a lot of forming and growth happens in those early years, you know what I mean? And so all kinds, of, I was very broken. Of course, at the time, I didn't know that. I thought everybody was struggling, right? I thought the struggle was real for everybody. But with that being said, at 11 years old, I left the porch, as they would say. I got mixed up with the streets. You know, a lack of a father figure, a lack of a mother. I had a lot of mommy and daddy issues, not even realizing it. And it uh, led me to the streets. 11 years old, I, get, I leave the porch. I get my first felony. Um, at 14 years old, I go to juvenile prison until I'm 18 in Phoenix, Arizona. I parole from there, and I, my grandma's like, Shh, you ain't coming back home, boy. <laughs> Shoot, you, you trouble. I'm going to send you with your uncle. We're going to put you with the dude, man. I, this ain't working for me. So they sent me to Oregon. Um, this was in Arizona. They sent me to Oregon. You know, the problem is, is the Hispanic culture, gang culture I'm a part of, they're everywhere. So what they did is they just replaced my homies, right? I went to another set of homies. And when you're not done, you're not done. I don't care where you move, what you're trying to do. If you don't really have that heart of wanting to surrender and change, you can be put anywhere and you're going to still do what you do. Because a lot of times we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. Amen. So I went up with my uncle. Continued to live a lifestyle, reckless in the streets, living a fast life, and uh, ended up getting kicked out. Ended up going to prison again in Idaho. Got out of there, went back to Oregon for a time, and then the best thing that could have ever happened to me, God showed up and showed out, and I didn't even know him at the time. In 2005, I went to prison for 146 months, day for day, 12 years. Best thing that could have ever happened to me. Prison saved my life, baby. Let me tell you, I needed it. So, you know, we're all called differently, amen? And I don't know about you, but I'm hard-headed, and I need to go through the mud before I get to the, to the mountain, amen? And we all called differently, and I'm hard-headed, so God knew I needed the extended stay. You see, what's interesting about that is I was dead to rights. They had the gun. They had the witnesses. <laughs> they had camera foot. I mean, I was booked. And yet I didn't take the deal. God hardened my heart. I believe it was God hardening my heart to not take the deal. See, if I would have took the 70 months, I would have got out and still been a gang member and continued on. But instead, I didn't. Dead to rights, I took it to the box, got the, got the 17 years, and I remember thinking I should have took the deal. But, uh, you know, I didn't get saved in the fight in my case. I didn't get saved in the back of a cop car. No genie prayers there. I didn't believe in God like that. So I wasn't really crying out to him. Um, Ten years into my prison sentence, um, because of my uh, gang affiliations um, that I was a part of, they ended up slamming me in their, in their version of a shoe program, which is 23-hour-and-a-half lockdown. The reason I bring this up because it's very important. I was in there for two years. So you get like 15 minutes in a shower where two cops cuff you up. They have a little tether leash, and they walk you like an animal to the showers. And then you get like 10 minutes in a yard. Um, and this is... Two years of doing this. Every six months, you go up to a, a board where they decide if they're going to let you out to general population or keep you slammed down. And there's people in there been in there 10 years, 15 years, like all day in there. And usually it's high-profile gang members or they have other issues where they can't walk mainline. So every six months, I'd go to this hearing, and they'd flop me, and they'd be like, go back. So 18 months into this, I'm like, man, I can't do this no more. Like now, you know, you're mental. I've done read everything on the book cart five times. You don't have a TV. You know what I mean? You really, all you have is yourself, and you do a lot of thinking. 
And so 18 months into it, I remember thinking one day, I was like, man, what am I doing? And I had a homeboy, walk. he walked by every day for a shower, always stopped up my cell and gave me love and all that fake love and, you know, saluted me and all that. And I remember when he left, he was like in his 60s, tattooed from his head to his toes, tattooed from his head to his toes. And I remember thinking, man, that's going to be me if I don't change my ways, man. I'm going to be 60 and still here. Like, what am I doing? I got to do something different. Now, what's really important about this is in the Hispanic culture, gang culture, you're not allowed to just walk away. They're not just going to be like, hey, man, you want to do better? You want to, oh, you want to live for God? Oh, great, homie. Yeah, you get my blessings. It doesn't work like that in prison. So the fact that I was having a change of thought and I still had years to go was a God thing. Again, I didn't recognize that guy as God at that time, but I did decide in my heart that I was done. I had to do something different. This was not for me. So I remember going to my next hearing. Now we're on two years. And by the grace of God, they were like, we're going to let you back out the general population you give us any issues, any write-ups, and you'll just go back until you parole. And I'm like, oh, I'm not spitting on the sidewalk out here, man. I'm not doing nothing, man. I'm trying to stay out of here. So I remember going to general population, and unfortunately, you only know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And I just fell back into suit with what I knew. The homies hit the unit, same program. And I'd say a few months went by, and I remember one day I was in my cell, and I remember thinking, like, man, what am I doing? Like, I'm still doing this. I'm and I knew that what I was doing wasn't filling the void that I was trying to fill. So I remember thinking, like, well, I'm going to do something crazy, but I'm just going to go out there and tell them I'm done. So the next day, I remember going out to the yard and telling everybody I was done. And long story short, they, they weren't happy about it. And, uh, yeah, you could say they beat me up. Took me off main line a couple times. But I say all that to say, like, God even moved in that. See, I didn't check in. I didn't have to do none of that. I ended up getting transferred to another prison, and it was a God thing. I moved to this other prison, one of the biggest prisons in Oregon, and I hit the unit, and I see a familiar face. So for a lot of you guys that don't know, West Coast prison politics is all segregated. This side of the chow hall is whites. This side of the chow hall is everything else. And uh, so I say all that to say when I hit the unit, of course, I see a familiar face, which happens to be this black guy that I had done a lot of prison time with. You know, I'm 10 years in by this point. We've been on prison yards for a while, knowing each other. I see a familiar face. I'm like, hey, man, I need a seat. I need a phone. I need, I'm giving him the list. Like, hey, can I sit under your umbrella? I'm not a gang member no more. I'm just doing my own program. And the next thing he said shook my life forever. He said, hey, man, well, I'm not a gang member either. And I remember thinking, what? This dude's a lifer, never going home been in prison for like 20 years, and he says, I'm a Christian now. I remember thinking like, what? Shut up, homie. Bro, you still got a scar on your forehead, bro, from praying on that mat a million times to the east, homie. Black Muslim, homie. Jesus? Jesus is white, bro. He started laughing. He's like, bro, you don't know Jesus then. I said, look, bro, if religion works for you, it don't work for me, homie. So don't start preaching. Don't start telling me about Jesus and God. I'm cool. Well, he's like, all right, man, I'll see what, if I can help you out. Remember, he came back to me, and me not knowing what an apologist is, this man done studied Rabbi Zacharias, Norman L. Geisler, all this church history and knew all these facts, and as an apologist, they don't settle with, I don't believe, I'm cool. So I remember he came back, and he's like, yeah, man, I hooked you up, bro. I got you a spot. I got you taken care of. He's like, but I got a question for you, man. What's your problem with God? 
what's your problem with the Bible, man? And I was like, look, homie, everybody knows that this Bible right here was written by some dudes, homie. It's been changed over time. Like, come on, homie, that's common information. He was like, I'll tell you what, man. Pulled out his little pocket Bible and he said, if you can prove one mistake in this word right here, I'll go back to the Quran. If you can prove to me that Jesus isn't real and that he is not the son of God, I'll go back to the Quran. I said, well, this is going to be easy money, bro. <laughs> Red by bid, hit me. And I remember breaking down how it was written from slaves to kings and everything in between on all these different continents pointing to who? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I remember thinking, that's ah, luck, bro. Come on, homie. Everyone knows that it's been changed over time. He said, when? I don't know when that thing would have been changed. So I'll be back with you on that. So for the next three months, I debated this man trying to prove that this Bible wasn't real, that God wasn't real, that Jesus was some phony, made-up ideal. And this dude continued to bop me over the head with the letters of Josephus, this Roman historian Jew who told everything about what Jesus did except saying he's the son of God because he's a Jew. But he backed up his healings. He backed up his miracles. He backed up the power of who he is. Man, come on. That's not even in the Bible. He kept bopping me on the head of all the evidence outside of the Bible that backs up the Bible. And I remember thinking, like, holy smokes. If everybody knew this, they'd be saved, homie. Like, God is real. Like, this man proved through archaeology findings. He's proved, bop me. Everything I hit him with. And I remember towards the end of it, three months into it, I remember thinking I was on the unit one day going, man, I think this God dude's real, man. I think Jesus is legit, homie. Huh. And then I remember this conversation I'd heard previous years being on the unit over here and uh, ear hustling a conversation or whatever. And this Christian was asked, hey, man, you believe in dinosaurs? And the Christian was like, yeah, of course. Why aren't they in the Bible? And I remember him not having an answer and talking about God is bigger than us. And this is a, a garbage answer. And I remember thinking like, okay, I think I found a mistake. But, but before I go to this brother, he's going to bot me. So I'm going to do some homework first. So I went to the Strong's Concordance. I remember opened it up, went to D's and there's no dinosaurs in the Bible, bro. That's a mistake. I got him, homie. Went out there with my chest up high. Thought I just bopped him. I said, I knew it was too good to be true, just like everything else in this life. And I went out there and I said, hey, homie, do you believe in dinosaurs? He goes, absolutely. I was like, boy, <laughs> get ready for the Quran, homie. You're going back to the Quran, bro, because dinosaurs are not in the Bible, bro. And don't tell me in Genesis, the beast and all that stuff. I want to know why dinosaurs aren't in the Bible. And he said, let me ask you a question. And my heart sunk. Because anybody that's ever talked to a Christian apologist, if they answer you with a question, you're in trouble, homie. That means when you answer that, you've answered yours as well. So I was like, oh, man. I said, dude, they're not in there, bro. I went to the Strongs, bro. Like, come on. He was like, do you think the word dinosaur is an English translation? Or do you think it's a Greek word or Hebrew? And I'm like, it's a translation. He goes, yeah, let's go to the book of Job. Start flipping. He goes, I want you to read this description of the Leviathan. And you tell me what that describes to you. And I remember reading it, the plates. And I'm like, oh, that, dang it. I'm not going to argue anything, homie. But doggone it, that sounds like a dinosaur to me. And I was like, shoot. Man, all right, bro. Here's a white towel, homie. God is real, homeboy. So I went back to my cell that night. And I remember thinking, 
earlier in our conversations, I'd had asked them, I said, man, how do you talk to this God, this sovereign God who created everything we see? Do I got to make some incense in the cell? Do I got to clap three times, maybe do a car? How do I get this dude's attention? He said, man, slow down, homie. Talk to God like you're talking to a homie. And I remember thinking like, what? He's listening right now. I'm like, is he? You sure about that? So that night in my cell, I said, all right, homie. I bowed my head, and I talked to Jesus like I was talking to a homie. Now, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know about no sinner's prayer. I didn't know about praying, period. So I remember just being like, what's up, homie? Where the F you at, homie? Dropping some F-bombs and something else, man. But I was really serious. Like, I really wanted God to show up. I remember being like, my boy said, if I knock or something, the door might be open, or you're going to open it. Like, where you at, homie? And I remember when I was done, I opened my eyes, and the walls weren't shaking. Glitter wasn't coming down. The door didn't pop. No, nothing supernatural. Like, I hear all these crazy stories. Nothing against them. But I'm like, dang, man. I knew it was too good to be true, man. I'm going back to bed, man. I just talked to the wall, man. It was fake. Went to bed, and I was never the same again. From that day forward, the next couple weeks, I remember I started feeling all these emotions, these things that were so deep. Because remember, I grew up a product of the state. I had so much brokenness, so many underlying issues that really were weighing me down. And I didn't even realize that I didn't love nobody. I didn't love myself. I hadn't cried since I could remember. But I remember I'm watching this show, Extreme Home Makeover, where they'd like, move that bus, and they fix all the houses for the handicap. And I remember I'm watching this show, and I've seen this show a thousand times. But at the end, when they move the bus and everyone's crying, I'm crying. And I'm like, what the, what's going on? And my homie's like, are you crying? I'm like, shut up, fool. I'm still beginning to say, right? shut up, fool. And like, hey, don't be laughing at me. Like, whoa, what's going on? And I remember going to my cell thinking like, man, what's wrong with me? Like, I think I'm crazy. I forgot about the prayer. I forgot about God. I'm like, I think I'm institutionalized. I've been incarcerated my whole life from the age of 14 to 32 when I paroled recently, or five years ago, I'd only been on the streets two years of my life. I've been incarcerated my whole life, and I'm like, this is what institutionalized feels like. I'm crying in the day room. I mean, I'm having all these weird emotions. I was like, I need to get a hold of this psych nurse. I need the big purple pill, homie. Like, there's something wrong. And I wrote a, I was writing a communication form to the nurse. I turned it in. I stayed in my bed. Well, the homie was like, man, where's Matt at? He hasn't been out of his room or cell or... And he comes out, you good? I'm like, nah, bro, there's something wrong with me, bro. I'm, I'm crazy, loped out. And he's like, I'm like, dude, he's like, start from the beginning. And I remember starting, he's like, you left me Friday. And I'm like, yeah, I left you. I went back. I said some stupid prayer to Jesus. It didn't even work, by the way. We'll talk about it in a minute. And then the next day, I remember I start, and he starts laughing. I'm like, hey, fool, I'm being, I'm crazy. Hope there's something wrong with me. And you laughing? He goes, have you ever heard of sanctification? I said, sanctify what? I can't even spell that, bro. He said, as soon as you asked Jesus into your heart, bro, the Holy Spirit showed up and showed out. And these feelings that you're feeling are Jesus, 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 homie. Have you been reading your word? Have you been praying? I said, hell nah, bro. I've been on my bunk under the covers thinking I'm prone with a med kit and a psychologist. And he's like, bro, keep reading your word, man. God is going to do something. So from that day forward, man, I went full throttle for the Lord. If you give me too much eye contact, homie, I'm giving you Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't care if you're a cop. 
I don't care if you're a sex offender, gang member. I don't care who you think you are. You need Jesus, 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 homie. And if you rock with me, you're going to get Jesus, 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 homie, because it's not about me, and it's definitely not about you. It's only about him, amen? So 2000, December, December 20th, 2017, I paroled from prison after doing 12 years day for day. Now, if you notice in the beginning, I said I fell with 17 years. After I got saved, I had wrote the, a letter to the courts in Idaho asking that they would suspend my five-year sentence, and they did. <laughs> Jesus, 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 homie. Jesus, 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 homie. I'm telling you, the, the, the PO in Idaho said, oh, you're coming to prison, homie. The DA said, you're coming to prison, homie. But the judge, the Jesus said, you ain't going to prison, homie. And they dropped it, man. I remember that was all God. So I paroled, man. I paroled homeless, man. My grandma passed a few years. She, she didn't get to see me saved, but I definitely see her in heaven. I believe the prayers of my grandma are a lot of the reasons I'm still here pushing today. Because she didn't stop. I bet you her knees were bruised up praying for this guy. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was a mess. So I remember paroling homeless. I had nothing. But I had met this Nazarene pastor. And I remember at the time, you know, I got saved in prison. I didn't have, know what Baptist, Pentecostal, Nazarene. That means nothing to me. Still doesn't, truthfully. And uh, I remember I paroled, but I met this guy right before I paroled, and this guy was like, hey, man, you should meet this pastor in Portland, man, so you have a friend. I'm like, all right, I don't have no friends out there that are saved, really, let's go. So I wrote this guy a couple times, he visited me a couple times, but I didn't know this man. But he took, I remember he picked me up, he gave me some clothes, he took me to my parole officer for first visit, and uh, I'm talking to my PO, and he's like, so what are we going to do, you know, where's your address at? And I'm like, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I'm homeless, man, and I have nothing, man. And I, so I'm hoping to go into like a halfway house or like a, a, a faith-based home or something. I, I know a couple, and he was like, well, you're in a gray area. I'm like, I, I, you started that answer off way wrong. Gray area, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, well, your gang file has closed because you've been inactive for a couple years, and you don't have no substance abuse charges. I'm like, what? So what does that got to do with anything? He's like, well, uh, Unless you tell me you're an alcoholic or you have a problem with drugs, I can't put you in one of these homes. I'm like, I ain't going to lie to you, homie. I've been set free and delivered. I, I ain't no addict, homeboy. Nah. He's like, well, have a nice day. And I remember thinking, like, wait a minute. Hold up. I don't even know how to work this phone that I have in my I remember telling my PO, like, this phone. I went to prison, bro. They had, like, a, a pager. And I think I had a flip phone right before. I, something like that. But, like, I remember, like, this phone, say certain words, Siri start talking to you or something. And I can't even turn it off. Like, I don't know how to work this phone, and you want me to go out there on my own? And he was like, hey, man, here's a couple three-hour bus tickets for public transportation. I'll see you in a couple weeks. And I remember thinking, like, God, where you at, homie? And from that office to the van, I cussed God out. I was so upset. I was like, man, I've been faithful, homie. I've been obedient, bro. Like, where you at, man, now when I need you? Like, I'm trying to cash in, homie, where you at? And I remember getting to the van, man, and, and I had it in my head that I just got to do what I got to do. And the pastor was like, hey, man, where am I taking you? I'm like, hey, man, just drop me off on First Avenue. Well, if you know Portland, Oregon, First Avenue is the zone, drug zone. I remember him thinking like, all right, for... wait a minute. There ain't no halfway house on First Avenue, homie. What are you doing over there? So I told him what the PO said. It was five days before Christmas. And uh, I remember he did the, I'm like, oh, great. Here's that huff again, man. Here we go. And he's like, well, my wife's not going to be happy. But today you become my son. And he took me home, cleared out his office, put a bed in there, bought me, got me a car, put me on his insurance, 
and bless me and love me like Jesus, 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 homie. I mean, that was that agape love. And I remember thinking right there, man, God is so faithful. And I was on my face that night, definitely confessing. So right after this happens, she takes me home. And I remember telling myself, man, I wanted a good godly relationship. I never had a godly example. So all I had was the word, right? And that's all you need, <laughs> truthfully. And so I remember thinking, like, I don't trust myself. So I need to find me a girl that's as far away from me as possible until we get locked in with Jesus. Jesus, I'll be. Otherwise, I'm going to not do what I'm supposed to. So I got on this thing called Facebook. Remember, when I went to prison, they had AOL chat rooms. The Internet went, I made all these noises. You, Some of you know. And so I remember now you get on this thing that's automatic on your phone. So I get on Facebook. I set up this account. I meet this girl out of New Mexico. I remember thinking like, man, I really like this girl. So about 30 days go by. I've been talking to her. I'm sitting at my friend's house. He did about 15 years in prison. We're pretty good friends. And I remember talking to him like, hey, bro, remember that girl Angela? He goes, oh, yeah, the one from New Mexico you've been talking to. I'm going to marry her, bro. He's like, man, sit down, bro. You just did 12 years, bro. Sit down, homie. You haven't even touched her or nothing. I'm like, bro, I did one of those video visit things, bro, like in prison. He's like, dude, sit down. I'm like, well, bro, I'm doing it tomorrow, homie. My fleece is that she says no, it ain't meant to be. So I remember calling her up. I said, hey, man, I think we're supposed to get married. You ready to be my wife? The next few seconds of hesitation or whatever it was, was ours. And she said yes. 30 days later, I flew out to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I married my wife. God has a sense of humor. She's a juvenile corrections officer for the state of New Mexico working in prisons. Her dad's a retired police officer and her brother's Captain Trill at the Sheriff's Department. That's all God, Obi. That's all God. I buried a bunch of cops. You can't make this up. And you know, for myself, I say that's important because, you know, I was always taught, you know, my dad didn't teach me a lot of positivity when I was younger, but what I did learn, unfortunately, him being my hero, he taught me white people are racist, and the only good cop's a dead cop. So growing up, that's what I believed, right? That was my superhero. My superhero told me that. And so the fact that I married some police officers, only Jesus, 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 homie. You know what I mean? That's real. And so I flew out to Albuquerque, New Mexico, got into ministry real quick. I ended up, remember the first place that I attended was a King James only, independent, fundamental, all kinds of crazy, hymnal only. And I say all that to say is, like, I didn't know, again, what church is. I just want to go to church, homie. Better together. You preach the word of God. You believe in Jesus, death, burial, resurrection. I'm good. Let's go. All the other stuff will work itself out. Let's just do it. And I remember I was going to this super conservative church, and I became a youth minister, like, a couple weeks into it. If you know that circle, they don't go outside of their sandbox, so that was all Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't got enough suits. No offense, Pastor Andre. I don't got enough suits to fit in over that church, you know. And, uh, but hey, you know, it was powerful, man. I did that. And then when I ended up moving to marry my wife and be with her, God has another sense of humor. I I started going to Assemblies of God, Pentecostal church, completely different opposite. They had instruments and they were super uh, different than the first church. But you know, what was amazing about it is God has definitely used all that, right? My, my life first. And that's why, man, I can't tell, talk about Jesus without talking about his word too. You know what I mean? Because his word is everything to me. But my life verse, man, and I hope it blesses you as it, as it blesses me, is Romans 8, 28. It says, 
It says all things work together. And I just want to say this. I don't care if you're a King James only, NIV, whatever you like. It says all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, here's a newsflash. All of you were called according to his purpose. To Jesus, 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 homie. We're all created for him and him only. Amen? Because it's not about us. It's about who? Jesus, 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 homie. That's real. That's been my life for so. I got on this Facebook. I ended up telling my testimony. And that's how I ended up meeting Andre. Shortly after that is the pastor in Union City who had the tent revival saw my testimony on Facebook. Someone had told me, share your story, man, and the world can see. And I'm like, how does the world see me on what? Remember, I wasn't internet friendly at all. He's like, just do it. So I told my testimony that I'm sharing with you. I bragged on Jesus on Facebook. Pastor Richard Collins had me come out and share it. They took me to Dayton, Ohio, to West Dayton specifically, about 12 in the morning. And I was like, man, if we're going to go, we got to go at 12 in the morning. Because the people I'm trying to reach, homie, are on the curb at that time. So we went out there at early in the morning, gave them heaven. And I remember thinking right then, this is where I'm supposed to be. I feel called. But then I was conflicted because I remember thinking, well, dang, I just became a youth pastor. I just went through this school of ministry thing. I just bought a house. Is it me or is it the Lord? But remember, all things work together, man. So went back home, told my wife about it. We were like, well, she was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, what? You ain't gonna pray about it? She was like, nah, it's not gonna happen because my kids, a couple of our kids from another relationship, uh, their kid's dad always caused trouble. Even though he's not present, he's present when she wanted to move. So she was never able to leave New Mexico. And she's telling me this, and I'm thinking, well, that's my fleece. I always look for a way to say, hey, God, show me. This is what we're gonna do. So I remember saying, we're gonna file the paperwork. The judge says, no, that's not where I'm supposed to be. If he says yes, we're gonna move. Well, guess what the judge said? Here I am, baby. And the judge said, yes. <laughs> and the dad said, no. And then everyone thought I was crazy. Everyone's like, there's no way you're moving. My wife said I was crazy. Her parents said I was crazy. His family said I was crazy. The kids thought I was crazy. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is crazy, homie. He does some crazy things, bro. Because <laughs> here I am, man. We dropped everything. Moved out here on faith. Knew nobody, man. I knew Pastor Richard, but we didn't really know that many people. Had no job perspectives, nothing. Barely had a place to live, but I knew if God calls you, you just got to go. And the pastor once told me the things that take the most faith have Jesus all over it. And so I said, here I am, Lord, send me. Came out here, man. We've been out here a few years. And uh, six months ago, we launched Radiant Dayton Church in the liquor store parking lot of DeSoto Bass Projects in West Dayton, Ohio. Bringing the word to the curb like Jesus did, amen? Giving them heaven. They go get their body. I mean, you would think it was a reggae festival where we at, but you know what? When altar call comes, we're seeing men and women, man, broken and hurt, seeking Jesus, man. We're seeing lives change. We're seeing the power of God activated, man. Like, it's for real. And I'm just so blessed that God is using the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Because, homie, I'm foolish, man. I'm the foolish thing, baby. I'm dead right here. But, hey, God is moving. Our first service is the 26th of this month. So I just pray that you guys keep it lifted. We got a house over in West Dayton, Ohio, right in the neighborhood, a few blocks away. So we're literally right on the curb still. We're going to be having, we're remodeling this house into a church we're going to have church services there. We're just excited, man. We call it Radiant Day and Outpost because we an outpost in the trenches, man. Like, 
It's real, but you know what? We're seeing the hand of God move. You know, obedience equals victory. That's real. We forget that. You know, plenty of people have said, Pastor Matt, you're crazy. Pastor Matt, that don't make financial sense to go in the... They ain't tithing ourselves. I said, man, Jesus, 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 homie. We keep forgetting. If I'm worried about all that, then it's me. And I'm not in this, homie. It's all him. Amen? If it's his will, it's his bill. That's what Pastor Andre probably say, right? If it's his will, it's his bill, baby. Yeah. But you know, it's real, man. God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. As I come to a, as I come to a close here, I just want to encourage you guys, you know. We all know somebody who's going through it. We always know somebody who's incarcerated. And you know what? Don't ever write nobody off. Nobody's too far gone. If you breathe in, then Jesus is leading. And here's something to remember. Like, I'm so glad my grandma never quit praying for me. Now, I'm not saying she didn't cut me off. I deserved it, but I know she didn't quit praying for me. And so we got to, sometimes we just got to love them where they're at, just like Jesus loves us where we're at. You know, Jesus met us where we were at in our brokenness. And you know what? I'm sure when we were broken, people would thought, oh, they'll never be saved. And then maybe you're like, well, I grew up in church. That's even more of a reason to be like, you might not be saved, right? Because that's all you know. But the truth of it is, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the power. Amen? And we got to remember, man, pray, 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 because that's what moves mountains in people's life. It's the prayers of the righteous that availeth much. Amen? So I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for allowing me to come up here and brag on Jesus and just share what we're doing and share what God has brought me through. I hope it encourages you. I hope it motivates you to go out there and illuminate darkness and be the hands and feet. Um, Pastor Andre, if uh, you want to come back up here. I love you guys. You want me to end it in prayer? You want me to close in prayer? I didn't know Let's just rise to our feet. We'll have him uh, close us in prayer. And once again, this just reminds me of what my father prayed for. He prayed for men like you to have changes and touches, and we get to see it. And so I'm just, I got tears in my eyes, but I think, and, and, and I'll prophetically say, you haven't seen nothing yet, what God is going to do in your life. All right, let's just pray for the people. Heavenly Father, we just come boldly before your throne of grace this morning, Lord. We just thank you, first off, for your presence that is here, Lord. We just thank you that you woke us up this morning, Lord. We just thank you that you breathe life into us, Father. We just ask that as we go out this week, Father God, that we look for ways to serve you, Father God. Ways to love on people like you love on us, Father God. Continue to use us. Continue to give us fresh revelations that draw us closer to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Lord bless you. Amen. Before we dismiss, I will say that he is just uh, going to be launching a shirt that has that. It says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Home. Yeah, go ahead. Show them. And we'll, we'll, buy, we'll, we'll buy some of them. But every time I talk to him, he says it every time. Jesus, 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 homie. And at the bottom it says, nothing else, nothing less, homie. Jesus, 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 huh? Amen. All right, God bless you. We, we will try to support and buy some of these. But God bless you all. We love you. You are dismissed. And remember, Jesus, 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 homie.